Hello everyone and welcome to That Was Genius. This is a funny history podcast by Tom Berry and Sam Datter, exploring little-known stories and corners of the past. We'll get to the history shortly, but first, a couple of minutes of what we ominously call, quote, witty banter, highlights of our pre-recording chat, which usually ends up being mostly toilet humour. Ha 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 ha! La 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 la. Wee 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 wee. Poo 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 Can't tell them we've got young children. <laughs> Mine can't even speak yeah. yet. You're going to do a poo for daddy. Go on, do a poo for daddy. Poo on daddy. Go on. Do a poo on daddy. How often do you pretend to eat your daughter? Do I pretend to eat her? Yeah. To scare or amuse her or to scare or amuse my wife? Yeah. <laughs> Both. <laughs> I mean, I really put on a show of it for my wife. Like, you know, turn the oven on, stick her in a baking tray, pop an apple in her mouth, uh, or, or, you know, well, she's only smaller shallots. Uh, that really only happens once, twice a week, Max. Uh, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> she likes onion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to really enjoy pretending to eat my my boys. I, I do. Re- I very um, much enjoy pretending to eat Phoebe. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do it to other people's kids as well when they came. <laughs> I around. eat her fingers quite regularly. <laughs> she likes it now. She yeah. she plays a game of chicken with me, where she'll get her fingers as close to my mouth as she can, and then I start going nom 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 nom. Yeah. And she giggles and pulls her hands away. What about when you surprise her? So if you stay still and she she starts creeping her hand towards your mouth and then you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she jumped out of her skin. <laughs> That's another good one. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Does she still do the sort of the, the thing where she goes uh, still when she when you surprise her, or where she thinks she's going to fall? No, she doesn't do that anymore. She doesn't do the uh, the shock reflex. No, but she does kind of starfish. If yeah. you scare her, she'll just splay her arms and legs out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Is that not? It's. Uh, I think I did. I not read somewhere that that's part of the primitive brain. Yes, it is. Yeah. That that goes all the way back to when we were flying squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> You're falling out of a tree, so you just fly, yeah. fling your arms and legs out and sail Back down. Back to our dinosaur days. There we go, that's history. <laughs> <laughs> that's prehistory. Paleontology. Yes. Hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which Tom... Hello! ...who doesn't think it's funny to cook and eat your children, and Sam, who yeah, kind of does, discuss history stories on a theme each week. We decide the theme that we can advance, but everything else that happens is a surprise. And what is that theme this week, Tom? The theme is cartoons. It's cartoons, which was an audience suggestion, I think, wasn't it? Uh, yes, I can't remember who it was. Uh, Neither can I. I have, I have a list, though. Michael from Seattle, I ah, reckon. Ah, Michael from Seattle, our, our drinking listener. Yeah, he gave us a long list that I've got written down somewhere, which will keep us yeah. going until oh, probably middle of next year. Perfect. Which is excellent. <laughs> Episode 308. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. <laughs> yes, it was cartoons this week. It was a bit of a tricky one, I found. I struggled to find anything really fun that wasn't quite well known. I was struggling until um, my brother-in-law sent me an article randomly, and I thought, oh, of course, how could I not think of that? Yes. <laughs> and then I realised... Yes, realized you what took what I like to call the easier option. <laughs> <laughs> were you Were you wanting to do this one? If you hadn't, I would have done. Oh, see, I always try and get in there a little bit before you. You just do. In case you, mentioned that do your, you mentioned do your research first whilst I'm trying to edit this bastard each week. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we, 
Well, that's all part of the plan, you see. That's why I, I deliberately make lots of mistakes. I'll start bleeping out your Nelson, Nelson Mandela, Mandela impression. impression. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jinx. You're out there stealing the good stories. <laughs> yeah. Strategic. Hmm. Exactly. Uh, have we got any audience feedback, Tom? Uh, no, we don't actually have any audience feedback. Um, although oh, we that do reflects have th- very badly on us. <laughs> <laughs> well, not necessarily, because um, sometimes the audience feedback isn't that pleasant. <laughs> uh, but we do have a few thank yous to a couple of new patrons. So welcome to the Order of the Bathroom. Um, don't forget to get those Verrucas treated, and the hot water taps yep. can get very hot. They can indeed. Unfortunately, they're the British chaps that run hot in one and cold in the other. So prepare to end up with one incredibly hot toe <laughs> and one incredibly cold toe. Sorry. I mean, we, we should have put this before you signed up. Public audience, if you'd like to join the order of the uh, the bathroom, and, and why wouldn't you? You get songs, you get private episodes, and you get Tom Loofering your back and, uh, and me birching your front. So ooh, there you go. Hello. Hello. You can find us at patreon.com slash that was genius, where for just three, four, or five pounds a month or uh something in a currency of your choice, you get all you get all of the above. It's wonderful. It's and good. You, Songs, episode, medals, doodles, and boom. F- and you get to feel like you're part of something bigger. Yes. Something more important. Something slightly more expensive than the free version of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whose turn is it to go first? I've I'm lost. It's my turn to go first again. Right, it's your turn to go first. Okay. It's my turn to go first, yes. Uh, and merely 17 minutes into the podcast <laughs> as well, which is almost minutes. a record for us. Oh, that's going to be a lot of editing next week. What a pity. <laughs> oh. While I'm researching, you'll be editing. Oh, dear me. Yeah, I'm just going to have to find a, a... Yeah, I've got to suggest a topic that's really in my ballpark, so I know exactly what I'm going to do straight off the bat. Skinny calves. <laughs> oh, Hello. <laughs> A history Ouch. of model trains. <laughs> there, now you're talking. <laughs> now you're talking. When I'm searching through Facebook Marketplace, I keep coming up and finding things like um, 20 years worth of train magazine being given away <laughs> for free. And I keep thinking, oh, should I get that for Sam? 20 years of train magazine? Yeah. like, uh, like A magazine for trains in the last 20 years and only the last 20 years. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't know. Twenty-one-year-old trains can fuck off. Uh, well, I think it's I think it's like a, a magazine that's been running for longer, but the individual who's collecting them grew out of it. <laughs> grew out of it, but I presume by that you mean died of old age. <laughs> yeah, possibly. It's not. Or, it's not or a young died hobby. of loneliness. <laughs> um, uh, then there was. Um, I also found Carp World, the complete. Wow. Every single edition of Carp World. Wow. How good is that? In ring binders. Someone was How giving it away. A bound edition of Carp World. Yeah. How much of a world is Carp World? How many continents are there in Carp World? Uh, How I... long can one Carp magazine carry on? <laughs> well, it can Carp on for quite a long time. Hey! hey. <laughs> Marvellous. <laughs> Sounds like a really shit version of Westworld, doesn't it? <laughs> it Carp does, yeah. World. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a particularly niche version of SeaWorld. <laughs> yeah. Just try and train the carp <laughs> to eat out of your hand, jump over you, riding around on a carp. <laughs> oh, kids will love it. It's probably the only aquatic theme park that you're ethically allowed now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on, kids. Let's go down into the glass-tunneled pond to look at the shopping trolley, the condoms and the carp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's Peter. I went missing a few months ago. <laughs> That's where he went. <laughs> oh, look, kids! It's a Mark One Fiesta. 
Come and ride the canal barge of adventure. <laughs> uh, well, yes, it's my turn to go first this week, Tom. And uh, I've gone on a bit of a tabloid spree. Okay. Sorry. With both my honourable mention and my main story, uh, much like this podcast, Tom, I'm talking about publications that appeal to the lowest, basest human instincts, <laughs> the lowest common denominator of humour, the gutter press. Essentially, I've gone right where that was genius belongs. <laughs> exactly. Audience, I just edited out an enormous burp. So first, my honourable mention, and that is, Tom, the Turin Erotic Papyrus, which nice. is... <laughs> yes, I mean, the name sets it up to be something big, doesn't it? Yeah, I didn't realise Alan Turing did erotic. <laughs> no, you'd think he would use paper. <laughs> there you go. Uh, a... uh, so the Turin Erotic... <laughs> Just lots of calculations with cocks drawn all over them. <laughs> so the Turin would Erotic like Papyrus... Would decipher my bra... Oh. <laughs> How about uncoding my pants? <sighs> Why would Alan Turing be wearing a bra? Oh, that's the character played by Chinny Face, whatever her name is. Kira Knightley. You've seen the film, haven't you? Which f- w- No, I haven't. The Imitation Game. Oh, yeah. no, I have seen The Imitation yeah, Game. Sorry, yes. It. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Anyway, the Turin Erotic Papyrus. It's got, it's, Benedict, it's got Benedict Cucumber Patch. Yes. In it. <laughs> Benedict Cunty Snatch. <laughs> Kira, so sharp the- face. <laughs> <laughs> so the Turin Erotic Papyrus is sort of the earliest known lads mag. And I mean that really quite literally. It's a scroll roughly eight feet long and dates from around 1150 BC in the Egyptian Ramesside period. Uh, not to be confused with the Egyptian Brookside period, which was a long-running soap opera which finished in the early 90s. Mm. British TV joke. It was found in the workers' village of Dier El Medina, which is where the craftsmen who built the Valley of the Kings lived. And it comes in two equally stupid and funny parts. The first is a series of ridiculous paintings of animals being humans and doing human things. Uh, It's got a lion and a gazelle playing board games, for example, and a cat herding ducks and donkeys going to the shops. Crazy! Uh, Crazy! Madness! Topsy turvy (laughs) world! (laughs) It's brilliant! (laughs) This is bonkers! Mad for it! (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's essentially the ancient equivalent of that painting of dogs playing cards. Fucking yeah, hilarious, Tom. Yeah. Fucking hilarious. Even boring, stuffy academics have to admit that it was clearly just drawn for amusement. It was designed to make bored men laugh at the funny animals. The second half of the scroll, though, with seemingly no <laughs> context to join it to the first, other than they're painted on the same bit of papyrus, is a series of 12 paintings of people shagging. Right. And if you were in any doubt, Tom, uh, that this is meant for entertainment and not instruction... The pattern is still followed in modern pornography today. It is very definitely pornography and not a manual because the the man in the situation is a fat, balding gentleman <laughs> with an ugly face and an enormous knob uh, doing unspeakable things to a younger, much more attractive woman, <laughs> which, as any aficionados of Chrome Incognito mode will know, is very much still the pattern that pornography follows today. It sounds like any 80s or 90s Hollywood film. <laughs> yes. Sylvester Stallone getting the girl. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Kim Bassinger, Sylvester Stallone. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> very much so. Uh, so the margins of this papyrus have been scrawled with graffiti, including such saucy lines as, Come behind me with your love, O oh son. You have found out my heart. This is agreeable work. <laughs> 
which is essentially just the horny grumblings of some frantically masturbating Egyptian workman. <laughs> What's this called again? I'm going to look. Can I find this it's, on Google? I feel like I need to visualise it as you're talking. You can, but it's in very poor condition. I bet it is. It's, it's, yeah, pay, pages found glued in a bush together. In a children's playground. <laughs> yeah, found in the forest outside. Yeah. Beside, beside a few empty cans of carling. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, as they tend to do, academics have removed all the fun from the papyrus by hugely overanalyzing what is essentially some badly drawn erotica and animals behaving like people. But the consensus among such boring academics seems to be that whilst it was just created for shits and giggles, the first section was intended to lampoon poor people doing poor people things as being no better than animals. Whilst the second erotic part was funny because it showed people performing acts which no decent person of the higher orders could <laughs> or would. Uh, and apparently, Tom, it wasn't supposed to be sexy. So we'll just have to presume the fact that it was found crumpled with several dick-shaped holes in it and stuck together in places was because someone spilled soup on it, Tom. Clearly, they just spilled soup on it. Yeah, it just well, happened they, to be dick, yeah, dick soup. Dick so- <laughs> well, they were eating their soup watching saturday night tv on the sofa and yeah absolutely it's completely not fell on their definitely dick. not jizz <laughs> i can see someone has sort of traced the lines because it is in dreadful condition isn't it but you're it right. is yes and i'm so glad that someone has traced the lines and <laughs> there is a very much he's a very ugly man isn't he he really is yes Rokey. with an enormous throbbing dong he does have an enormous dong yeah Yes. Uh, anyway, in, in a similar vein, so to speak, my main story today isn't the first lads mag, but the first proper tabloid newspaper, Tom. I'm going to be talking about the Illustrated Police News, which was a weekly periodical published from 1864 to 1938, so in a fair old run, which delighted audiences with beautifully and incredibly gorily illustrated stories of the macabre, the dastardly, and not, not a few buxom ladies in their knickerknackers, Tom. The paper grew out of uh, of the Penny Dreadfuls, which I think we've mentioned in this podcast before. Yes. So the Penny Dreadfuls are comic books which uh, told the stories of murder and robbery from the 1830s onwards. They were hugely popular, priced at a penny to keep working people, working class people, engaged as they told the story of, for example, uh, Dick Turpin over a number of weeks. They were a bit like a kind of a slightly gory version of the NAF magazines you get now, where you can pick up a bolt or nut every week to make your own model of a Saturn V rocket over the course of a year. I'm trying to think what famous sort of horror story was actually created in those Penny... What did you call them? Penny... Uh, penny Dreadfuls. Penny Dreadfuls. I wanted to say Penny mm. Gaffs, but they were theatres. Was it Jekyll and Hyde? I think Jekyll and Hyde was possibly a Penny Dreadful. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but basically you had to buy it every week to get the full story. Every week, get a different part of a hung, drawn and quartered traitor. Pick up part one and get the foot of a Catholic to start your collection. Collect all 50 to build your own executed criminal. First edition a penny, all other editions £35. The police, Illustrated Police News was also influenced by an annual called the Newgate Calendar, also known as the Malefactor's Bloody Register. Sorry, the Newgate Newgate Calendar. Okay, named sorry, after I thought Newgate you said Newgate Prison. Ga- I genuinely thought you said Newgate Calendar. New gay calendar or the Nougat calendar. Or the Nougat calendar, yeah. (laughs) Strawberry Nougat. Oh, that one. So there's the uh, the Malefactor's Bloody Register. It was a collection of gory stories about the executed criminals of the past year, and it was put out annually in association with Newgate Prison. And amazingly, in the early 19th century, Tom, this was the third most purchased book in Britain. A mug, it was mug only, shots of people that had been executed. It was illustrations of... Uh, yeah, well, yes. It was illustrations of people who'd been executed along with the stories of what they'd done. 
and the only books which outsold it were Pilgrim's Progress and the Bible. It was the third most popular book. I was going to say Dan Brown. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, the it was a cal- literally a calendar of executed criminals. Who's modelling the calendar for May this year? It's Dick Turpin with his tits out. <laughs> and June is the decapitated remains of the old gate stabber sitting loosely over the bonnet of a sports car in a thong. On February's Fred West, laying saucily <laughs> on his porch. <laughs> yeah, Fred West in a string vest and nothing on the lower half. <laughs> Look as he saucily rubs himself up against a spade. Yes. <laughs> December's Michael Barrymore in his pool. Just like <laughs> should, should clarify, it wasn't a murder. I'd like just like to point out, Michael Barrymore no. was not a try. No, no, it's, a, it's an entirely inappropriate joke. <laughs> it's not an inappropriate joke. I'm quite. And I, luckily, someone died in his pool. I just don't want to get sued. <laughs> he had nothing to do with it. Where did I that wasn't come accusing from? him, Tom. I just said he appeared in a calendar of murdered criminals. <laughs> So, yeah, the Illustrated Police News was the first weekly paper to satisfy the combined need, or to combine, essentially, the needs of people to look at scantily clad ladies and read about murders and human tragedy. (laughs) What a winning combination. I'm going to make millions, millions, I tell you. Essentially, it was pure grot, with reporters around the country, they had reporters around the entire British Empire, who would read court reports and file the worst, most gruesome stories they could every week, whilst a team of up to 100 artists transform the stories into horrifically gory cartoons. The paper was founded and run by a guy called Mr George Perkis. He was a publisher who'd made his fortune selling serialised crime novels and penny dreadfuls. And he saw that a drop in newspaper taxes and the rise of cheap engraving could be combined into something very spectacular. And it was a huge success. Within a year or so of its first release, the paper was selling 175,000 copies a week. And that number steadily grew for about the next 50 years. It was hugely popular for the time. The format was pretty simple. Uh, A front cover comic strip featuring the goriest and sexiest stories of the week, (laughs) followed by a few more pages of gory illustrations and then the written accounts right at the back when no one was going to read them. And occasionally had some boxing news. At the end, there would usually be some extremely racist reports praising the British Empire's victory over X or Y colony or indigenous people. Particularly, particularly, Tom, the paper hated the Boers of South Africa, or the Boers, and uh, there was also a cut-out-and-keep racist or filthy song to sing along with at home. <laughs> so essentially, it was, it was the Daily Mail. <laughs> In fact, the paper can quite convincingly be blamed for the rise of a lot of what we would consider today stereotypically racist, offensive and sexual slang terms in language. So it's kind of like, you know how we would associate certain terms with old fusty colonels who were around in the turn of the century? Old colonels who would say things like fuzzy wuzzy and things. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> we yeah. just say racist stuff. A lot of that slang came from this paper and papers like it. It was actually very much working men's terminology and working men's language. So uh, yes, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, I couldn't find any examples of these incredibly offensive songs without paying for newspaper archive access. And I'm damned if I'm going to pay twenty pounds a month to access a racist, <laughs> a racist vaudeville song. So I made one uh, up. <laughs> yes, so I've written one myself, Tom. <laughs> and uh, for inspiration, uh, obviously credit where it's due and cite your sources. I've just looked at Nigel Farage's Twitter account this morning, and uh, and I've kind of I've come up with this, and I hope I can remember the tune. Well, you have actually that I made up in my head. <clears throat> I have. God. <laughs> oh, if you ever go on holiday to Africa, don't forget to slap a Dutchman if you do. 
Because the Boer women are goers, but the men are tulip growers, which is a euphemism for homosexual, but also... No, hang on, that's gone wrong. Hang on. <laughs> la, 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 la. Because the Boer women are goers, but the men are tulip growers, which is a euphemism for homosexual, but also what they do. Yes, give all Johnny foreigners a damn good thrashing. It's the duty of all Englishmen to hand out brutal lashings from the Himalayas down to Timbuktu. Fuck the funny-looking foreigners and their nasty spicy food. <laughs> But don't think to save your anger for those who don't look like you. Feel free to batter Bismarck too. Because I don't care for Prussians and I don't care for Russians as others are is crying over Crimea. And Napoleon's a phony so let's stick him up to Boney because the British now rule here and 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 here. Oh let's all go down the strand. Fuck a Frenchman. Let's all go down the strand. <laughs> and fuck a Frenchman. <laughs> Let's all go down the strand. <laughs> Bugger a Dutchman. Uh, you yeah, take I can't from the front, I'll <laughs> take from behind. <laughs> we'll high five. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst we're doing the bump and grind, oh, let's all, all go down the strand. <laughs> go down the strand and fuck a German. <laughs> Give all Fritz a British Savaloy. <laughs> Oh, I've got a lovely bunch of um, insert ethnic <laughs> testicles <laughs> <Okay>. wobbling them <laughs> in an Italian's face. <laughs> Big left one, small right one. Dangling between my head. <laughs> Give them a twist to flicker the wrist. <laughs> and watch them spin around. Oh! <laughs> and jizz on a Spaniard's head. Oh! <laughs> Let's all go down the strand. <laughs> Spit rest of Chinaman. <laughs> oh, that was much better than what I came up with. I'm going to have to go back over this and edit in the so edit in the tune once I can remember it. <laughs> I was quite proud of the uh, of the line "Hazar the Tsar is crying over Crimea." I thought that was quite good. I didn't hear that bit. Oh well, uh, yes. Did you, uh, did you on, put that bit in? I, I did. Hang on. Let me uh, grab my notes back. I goes off mic to grab his cast off notes. <clears throat> So spoken words. If you ever go on holiday to Africa, don't forget to slap. Don't forget to slap a Dutchman if you do, because the Boer women are goers, but the men are tulip growers, which is a euphemism for homosexual. But also, what Dutchmen do? Yes, give all Johnny foreigners a damn good thrashing. It's the duty of all Englishmen to hand out brutal lashings from the Himalayas down to Timbuktu. Fuck the funny-looking foreigners and their nasty, spicy food. But don't think to save your anger for those who don't look like you. Feel free to batter Bismarck too. Because I don't care for Prussians, and I don't care for Russians. Hazar the Tsar is crying over Crimea. And Napoleon's a phony, so let's stick him up to Boney. Because the British now rule here and here and here and here and here. Oh, let's all go down the strand and fuck a Frenchman. <laughs> there we go. That was... <laughs> okay, very good. Very good. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, despite the, uh, the lewd and crude nature of the paper, Perkis insisted to his critics that everything in it was true and that the artwork provided, quote, the best portraits published by any journal, not excluding the illustrated London news and the graphic. But whilst it may have carried true stories and the artwork was uh, undeniably very good, uh, the artwork was also, let's just say, somewhat sensationalised. <laughs> the name of the game was to sell papers, and so as far as Perkis was concerned, the more tits and gore, the better. In his own words, when the paper was voted the worst in the UK... I know what people say, but as I replied to a friend who asked me why I did not produce some other paper than the police news, we can't all have Timeses and Telegraphs, and if we can't have the Telegraph or the Times, we must put up with the police news. 
So a glowing review of his own paper. But hey, he made a fortune. <laughs> there were four kinds of front page, Tom, on the London Police on the Police Illustrated News. Uh, number one, and by far the most popular, murder sprees and the punishments of the guilty. So the execution of criminals. Secondly, human tragedy. They loved a human tragedy, such as a shipwreck particularly. There was also a category of just plain horribleness for the sake of it. And there was, finally, pretty ladies getting into trouble. As an example of the former, the uh, the love of murder sprees, the newspaper ran over 140 front-page cartoons about Jack the Ripper during and shortly after his 1888-1891 spree, including incredibly graphic depictions of the injuries the women had sustained. So to give you some idea of the gore, the paper's central image section after the murder of Annie Chapman in 1888 shows a before-and-after sketch of her body horribly mutilated. Nice. <laughs> so uh, here's the prostitute before she was murdered. Here she is with her head stoved in and her throat cut. <laughs> Ooh. Front page. Uh, surrounding images around this, which were usually related to the story, kind of a, you know, subheadings if you like, had women showing off their knives in the street, men accusing each other of being the murderer and fighting in the streets, also, bizarrely, in the bottom right-hand corner, just to presumably add some spice and variety, is an illustrated reconstruction of an elephant escaping its cage in a zoo and eating a hyena. <laughs> eating a hyena? Yeah, just for just for variety. Okay. <laughs> Human tragedy in the Police Illustrated got a special kind of artistic licence. So, for example, on August 27th, 1887, the headline image was of a shipwreck in which 11 survivors got eaten by sharks. Brilliant. When their Why have we not done overturned. this? Brilliant. Exactly. With illustrations of the quite, well, not really graphic, but quite, um, it doesn't leave much to the imagination, illustrations of them being ripped apart whilst a woman is devoured trying to throw her daughter to safety. <laughs> Why are you doing Mission Impossible? What is Jaws then? You do a better Jaws, you smart ass. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. It's a most recognisable too. <laughs> Start spreading <Yeah>. your fins. <laughs> da, 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 da. And eating some men. <laughs> You've got to eat the heart of him. <laughs> tastes like pork, tastes like pork. Beautiful. There we go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's, it's got an image of a woman trying to throw her daughter to safety as she's been ripped apart by a shark. Horrible. Really horrible. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. But for balance, Tom, light and shade, uh, on the same page, just below it, front cover, again, is an illustration simply entitled Chased by Bees, in which two attractive posh ladies have been thrown from a carriage <laughs> and are rolling around in the mud being chased by bees. Oh, <laughs> you're getting muddy. Oh. <laughs> oh nine. Oh. We must wrestle each other to safety. <laughs> wrestle each other to get away from the oh, bees. Oh, my gosh, it has slipped off. Oh, nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I am all panicked and flustered. <laughs> I'm so warm, I will take off some clothes. <laughs> to try and swat the bees of Avis. <laughs> oh, what is this, a cucumber? So- I must shove it up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is what the bees are after. <laughs> ah, maybe they're angry because we slathered ourselves in honey. Maybe this is how we came to be thrown from our carriage. <laughs> <laughs> we must use Nutella next time. But then it will be bears. Yes, chased by wasps. Ah, <laughs> uh, ach nein, and jelly will not be invented for another 20 years. <laughs> we will have to use meat jelly from the stock. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. Beef mm-hmm. stock. Yeah, mm-hmm. dripping wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> or slap me round the face it's with like... the tripe. 
yes. <laughs> Ach nein, it's like pornography set in a northern chip shop. <laughs> <laughs> a northern chip shop is pornography for a northerner. <laughs> I know. Oh, look at the pies on that. Come on, out the wrapping, you. <laughs> oh, I'd shove my big leg up her. <laughs> Gravy train, I'll tell you. Oh dear. Have a nibble on me pickle legs. And let me chew your fish cake. No. No. Chased by bees <laughs> leads us neatly onto pretty ladies getting into trouble. Number three in the list of uh, popular headline pages. Sleepwalkers were a favourite because they allowed the newspapers <laughs> to draw women in their night clothes. <laughs> <laughs> this week, brutal murder. Next week, sleepwalking. <laughs> Going to the fridge. <laughs> With morning glory. <laughs> oh, fridge won't shut. Oh, fridge won't <laughs> shut. Oh, fridge won't shut. I, do I need to explain the anatomy of a pretty lady to you, Tom? Well, no, but I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure there were a few men, weren't there? I'm just imagining Wee Willy Winky with a, with a, with a Wee Willy not, Winky. <laughs> I'm sure there were, but not in the illust- not on the front cover. When a place is candle, I know. don't think the working men were buying. I don't think the working men were buying this paper to see the to see the throbbing erections of, of, of Wee Willy Winky as he sp- of Wee as Willy he Winky. spins a candle on his knob. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a hooping a bedpan off his. <laughs> hey, Wee Willy Wanky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See what I did there? Big Willy Wanky. <laughs> the clever ones are the best, aren't they, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> Bit of wit for the audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Highbrow humour. Highbrow humour. <laughs> I like the way we're being so, critical uh, of this magazine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did warn you at the beginning. I did warn you at the beginning. This is very much us in us in newspaper form. <laughs> So, uh, yes, uh, women uh, sleepwalking, usually along crumbling ledges of buildings. You, you know, add some, add some peril and excitement to it. Uh, perhaps about to fall, Tom, revealing all their skirts and that. Whoa. Oh, hello. Hello. Oh, I hope she falls to her death off that precipice. Oh. Get a lovely view. Uh, and also, pe- peeping Toms were a favourite as well. The uh, <laughs> sight of a bemonocled man being thrown into a swimming pool by a group of scantily clad ladies took up the entire front cover. <laughs> on August 5th, 1899. A whole page, Tom. But then, of course, there were a lot of scantily clad ladies in their swimming costumes to draw. <laughs> the peeping Tom being thrown into the pool is a very small part of this picture, which largely consists of just a lot of ladies in swimwear. <laughs> By today's standards, not particularly... Uh, Remind you know, me the name of the... Not particularly cheeky. Policeman's... <laughs> the Policeman's Helmet. What's the, what's the magazine called? <laughs> the Illustrated Police News. Illustrated... Police news. And uh, whilst you're looking for that, Tom, finally there was just the horribly gory cover. Uh, For example, April 21st, 1877 uh, features animals being tortured for public amusement in which uh, a dog that's about to be dissected is begging for its life. Horrible. Uh, The same cover features some kids falling to their death off a cliff and a man being buried alive. And uh, just for a a bit of light relief, uh, it also features a fist fight at a wedding. A smorgasbord of highbrow cheerful news. God, it is morbid, isn't it? I'm just looking at some of the pictures now. Yes. Crikey. I have to say, though, my favourite cover, um, you know, not particularly PC, my favourite cover was uh, an illustration of two monkeys fighting each other in a gunfight to the death. I'm looking at... <laughs> Followed by a picture of the corpses after they both died. <laughs> it's the story of the century, Tom. The story of the century. It's a scoop. Read all about it. Read all about it. <laughs> Monkey death fight. <laughs> Monkey death gunfight. 
But people lapped this shit up, and whilst the paper eventually descended into little more than race baiting, it was the template, perhaps because of that, it was the template for all modern tabloid newspapers. They still follow the same essential format. Sensationalist headlines, lots of pictures and not many words, fucking cheap, and covertly or overtly racist, sexist and borderline pornographic. So next time you're reading about Elvis being abducted by aliens, the memory of Princess Diana ruining house prices, or an 80-year-old who's just married an adult movie star, just remember, Tom, it is all the fault of George Perkis and the Illustrated Police News. It is their fault. I don't actually think... And that is my story for today. I don't think it's their fault. I think think it's our fault for buying it. The consumer's fault. Well, I I don't don't buy it. I'll be honest. (laughs) But it's the consumer's fault, isn't it? If we didn't have cretins... (laughs) That's my story anyway, Tom. Well, you started off somewhere quite similar to me. You were talking about Egyptian papyrus and strange-looking yes. hybrid animals. Well, yeah, I've got a few of those in my story as well. Oh, shut the fridge door. Shut that fridge door. The beer's getting warm. Anyone who's visited... <laughs> our one, uh, the, erection, the erection's going down. <laughs> anyone who has visited our wonderful website, www.thatwasgeniuspodcast.com, will have seen some peculiar medieval marginalia, namely two naked men putting their fingers up their bottoms. Not as many people think uh, a self-portrait of us. <laughs> Joke that was coming. Um, <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> anyone who's ever followed our Facebook page during the periods when we bothered to post anything will have seen strange depictions of knights fighting snails, princesses falling over ugly green dogs, and naked men putting their fingers up their bottoms. We should really get some more professional photos, Sam. Very good. Funny because I got their second. Who, let's see who's make. Yes, let's see who's makes the cut when I when I when, edit this. When you cut them both out. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so why are there so many little strange doodles in the corners of medieval manuscripts? These are the marginalia, if you will. Well, thank you for asking such a pertinent question. Hopefully, by the end of the episode, I will. Do you want me to? Do you want me to ask this question yes, so I can edit it? Yeah, you are, you are. But Tom, why are there so many uh, little snails and people fighting rabbits uh, in the sides of medieval manuscripts? Well, is it the rambling doodles of a madman? Were they added by bored historians? Tell me, Tom. Tell me now. Well, I w- you fucker. <laughs> All right. Thank you for such pertinent questions, Sam. You're fucking welcome. Hopefully, hopefully by, the end of, by the end of my piece, I'll have answered some of them. Or more Good. precisely, suggested Particularly some the answers. one about the rabbits. Well, we will, we will talk about rabbits in quite a lot of Good. detail. These marginalia are, are mysterious things, and they seem to have been drawn for a variety of reasons. Nobody really knows why, but I'll make some suggestions at the end. <laughs> well... Well, this is going to be a shit story. <laughs> Why are they here? Nobody knows. Was it aliens? Oh, I didn't think about that. Well, yeah, edit that into your notes could quickly. Be, could have been aliens. Let's start with some examples, just to paint a picture, just for people who haven't seen some of these medieval marginalia. Quite, quite literally. The Galston Psalter, Psalter, the Galston Psalter, so that's a book of Psalms from the Old Testament, Psalms being uh. songs and poems that were designed to be sung or recited um, that's a particular goodie. It's from around 1310 and it's from Norfolk. The marginalia are so rude that some of them were actually rubbed out in later years. Oh, really? Let's describe a few. Nice. A group of rabbits arranging a funeral pyre. We don't know who for. A rabbit playing a musical instrument, much like an organ, with the help of a creature that looks a bit like a dog. A knight on horseback encountering a monkey, pulling its butt cheeks apart to reveal its red anus. <laughs> 
some strange hybrid creatures, one with the face of a lady rimming the other. Nice. A man with a big cock and balls pulling apart his putt cheeks to reveal his bumhole. <laughs> a naked bishop telling off a monk for farting. <laughs> a monkey lion hybrid sawing a book in half and a man paying a prostitute. Excellent. They were clearly rude to contemporaries, these marginalia. <laughs> 12th century Bernard of Clairvaux, also known as... Also known as St. Bernard because he drooled lots and often walked around on all fours with a small barrel of booze around his neck. (laughs) Very hairy. There's actually no direct connection between the dogs and this saint. There is a connection, it's just not direct. The dogs are... They're not directly related? No, not directly related. What a fire, you're blowing my mind, Tom. The dogs are named after a Swiss traveller's hospice that bred them for rescue work in the early modern period. Ah, and that hospice was called St Bernard's Hospice. Yes, not to be confused with a Toblerone dog, which is named after a Swiss chocolate. Or, or the Toblerone, yeah, or the Toblerone rescue chocolate yes. that was bred. Yes, in the same hospice. <laughs> yes, which has a has a small dog tied around its neck, <laughs> <laughs> but it's very useful for getting into triangular crevices. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so long as it's not too warm. Well, they, do you know what? they were actually designed originally Toblerones as um, as emergency saws that could double up as a ration. Because obviously they freeze completely solid in the mountains of uh, of Switzerland. Yeah. And if you do find yourself caught in an avalanche, uh, and you need to, for example, uh, chop some wood that's gone over your over your leg out to escape, then whip out a Toblerone, yeah. saw straight through it, then you can eat the Toblerone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually it really is the Swiss are amazing. It's the Swiss Army knife of chocolate. Very, very sensible when you think about it. It is, yes. It's also very good as a template for minor joinery work. You can get a great dovetail joint by drawing around the edges of a Toblerone. They thought of everything, yeah. Tom. Yeah, very practical. Really did. Really did. Well, it's all we've got is a bloody fruit and nut bar, haven't we? What can you, what can yeah, you do you with can that? Yeah, fuck all, fuck all with the dairy yeah. milk. We've always been behind. I know. We, we have, really we really have. Anyway, um, St. Bernard was a Burgundian abbot who wrote a bit. He denounced the naughty images in manuscripts as rude, silly, and distracting from the word of God. But then Bernard... Hot take. (laughs) Controversial. But then Bernard was a pious twat who went around France and the Near East telling people they were heretics for having ideas based on nonsense that were different to his ideas based on nonsense. He was actually the driving force, or one of the driving forces, behind the Second Crusade. Mm. Some others I like, some other um, marginalia. Two men prance around having chopped their own heads off with swords. That's the summer volume of the Breviary of Renault and Marguerite de Bar, 1302 1305. Um, a goblin slash ogre firing an arrow up the arse of a weird looking man with flippers doing a backwards roll. <laughs> oh, that's one of my favourite marginalia. I really you like that. You know that one, do you? Yeah. I know it's that actually one. It's a, very good. A skyopod, I think, is one of those strange creatures from the Middle Ages that was thought to live in the weird and wonderful corners of the world and used to lie on its back with its big Norfolk over its head yeah Nor- Norfolk Norfolk, Norfolk. <laughs> yeah they still live there well, wasn't Norfolk uh, Norfolk and East Anglia have historically been some of the most densely populated areas of Britain haven't they yes and now they're just populated with the dents hey, hey. 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 and then there's also hey. the nun plucking knobs off a knob tree again another favourite in fact I think that made our Christmas cards this year oh that yeah, was genius Christmas right. cards that's from the Roman Della Rose who will pluck my wonderful cock tree <laughs> we've got we got lots of cocks this year cocks have been growing really really well I don't know what we're going to do with them yeah, yeah. we've given them to the neighbours yeah the brassicas haven't gone so <laughs> they've yeah. already got some I've made jam I've already made cock jam uh, yeah I've made some dick soup traditional Egyptian recipe yeah. uh, <laughs> I've frozen a load uh, I mean, we could have helmet chutney. Uh, we've done, yeah, done some helmet chutney. We had a fancy cock crumble tonight. 
Got a crumble. They're not terrible stuffed with couscous. <laughs> not great in a quiche, though. A little watery. <laughs> uh, let's now talk about some more recurring imagery. Starting with knights fighting snails and Lillian Randall's seminal work on the subject of knobs um, on the topic from 1962. Speculum, volume 37, number three. Speculum. Speculum, that's the name of the, the periodical. Yes, it, you know, a speculum is a tool for investigating bodily orifices, it's though. It's called speculum, and she is investigating bodily body orifices. Well, fair enough. Does what it says in the tin. <laughs> Randall looked at over 70 doodles of this nature from around 1290 to 1325 in manuscripts from northern France and England. The majority of these images are of combat between a knight and a snail. Occasionally, the knight is replaced by a weird animal, such as a monkey. Frequently, the knight is kneeling in front of the snail, vanquished. Sometimes the knight has a maiden beside him, begging him not to attack the terrible foe. He's not worth it, Galahad! Hold me... <laughs> leave him! Leave hold him! Hold me back, Shazza, hold me back. I'm going to sort the little fucker, I tell you, I'm going to sort him. <laughs> Think you're hard, do you? Think you're hard? Come outside, come outside, I'll see you there in three hours. Don't do it, Galahad! You're on parole and little Wayne Shane of Chelsea needs you. <laughs> uh, there are a small number of examples of the knight and snail in cahoots. One such image has oh. a knight rinding a snail, hunting a stag. Another has a golden snail seeing an ape doctor. Do these images mock human cowardice? Oh. Or were the snails causing havoc in vineyards and generally being bastards? Does the snail represent the working classes? Is it social commentary here? Randall comes to the interesting conclusion, though, that snails represented cowardice in France before the proliferation of these manuscript doodles. There are plenty of literary examples of this. More specifically, the Lombards were frequently referred to as cowardly snails, and Randall traces this back to them not putting up much of a fight when Charlemagne, the successful Frankish king, conquered the Italian peninsula in 774. Um, Randall goes on to explain the rapid proliferation of the marginalia as being a result of Lombards dominating the business of usury and pawnbrokering through the 13th century across northern Europe. In fact... So why would that make them snails? Well, exactly. In fact, usurer and Lombard were used interchangeably in documents from this period. I think the idea is... And what's usury is loaning money, yes, isn't absolutely. it? Yes, absolutely. The Lombards were disliked because they were usurers, oh. and the uh, jingoistic trope was that they were snails. And, and that was a trope that existed for, well, three or four, four or five hundred years. Whilst, whilst it's probably unfair and, and very horrible for them, it's it's nice that the medieval Jewish community had the heat taken off them for it's a little exactly bit. That's exactly what I thought when I was, uh, and when I was looking at this. <laughs> yeah. I, I just thought it was the Jews Ordinarily, the there's, a bit of a scape, there's a bit of a scapegoat for money, le- money lending. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you want to have a victim, and you're a Christian in medieval Europe, there's a community, not, not willing available to take yeah. the blame I'll, like, I'll add here that um, it's not explicitly said that the Lombards who were the usurers weren't Jews so, <laughs> so it's quite possible that they were but the author of the article didn't feel it necessary to highlight this fact but I wouldn't be surprised if they were anyway so they would have been hugely unpopular with clergymen because of their role in collecting revenue for the Pope throughout Christendom um, so quite possibly these images are popular little digs at the Lombards is this where the... Well, obviously they eat snails, but is this where the reputation of the French as being kind of sna- of, of being snaily comes from? I don't know where that comes from. I, I reckon... Well, Lombardy's not, Lombardy's not in France anyway, is it? Shut no, yes, yeah, so, up, Tom, so the idiot. Lombards were on the Italian peninsula. Yes, but of course But I think I'm going to come back to the French and snails. I think that's just a modern equivalent. So that's a good um, modern 
national stereotype that we use today and we find funny just because it's a trope. We don't find it funny because it's inherently funny. We find it funny because, you know, it's just, it, it just is. Anyway, rabbits are also very common. They appear to simply be an example of turning the world upside down. So rabbits are seen doing the hunting. Um, there are pictures of them yes. decapitating tied up humans with swords. As rabbits, as rabbits will do if given yeah, the opportunity. Vicious bastards carrying humans. Yeah, don't be don't be fooled by the little bunny tails, yeah. Tom. The little furry tails. They're shit. Yep, and the little, Hello, I'm just a little rabbit. Turn your back for five nah. seconds, and they'll be carrying you on their backs, tied up. Exactly. There are some pictures of them lynching hunting dogs. Interestingly, in Manchester. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> in Manchester Cathedral. Uh, there is a misery cord, and a misery cord is a wood carving on a choir stall, I think, depicting rabbits spit-roasting a human and boiling his hunting dogs. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if this widespread imagery was also a trope, the meaning of which we have lost, much like the Stale and Knights mm. and the Lombards. What makes understanding these marginalia so tricky is that we cannot fully comprehend the iconography of the period. So the snails representing the Lombards is a good example. We can use some modern tropes that would not be obvious to someone from the Middle Ages. For example, sheep being associated with the Welsh and frog legs with the French. I read somewhere that in the 13th and 14th centuries, production of these manuscripts began to shift from monks in monasteries to workshops in cities employing numerous artisans working on the documents. So the doodler also... Oh, outshot them to sweatshops. Mm. Yeah, it's basically Sports Direct. So the doodler, also known as the limner, was quite possibly different to the person copying out the writing. And there are certain examples of doodlers taking the piss out of the scribes. So what was originally just was originally just graffiti on the sides drawn drawn on by monks for shits and giggles. That was copied later on. Like they had people whose job it was to recreate the graffiti. I'm not 100 percent certain here, but I did read a lot of the copying of the manuscripts early on was done by uh, monks so they just they copied the yes. whole thing um, and a lot of the artwork i presume was created by the monks as well and then as the middle ages um, wore on that switched to workshops where you'd have someone doing the copying of the of the writing and then someone do the doodles themselves so i don't think you'd actually copy the doodles mm. i think you'd copy the writing and you'd do you'd, you'd whatever doodles you fancied but the doodles still came the doodles were still done there was still someone whose job it was to do the doodles yeah someone was a doodler yeah so that's the limner and it wasn't just strange little pictures they were also the floral designs and the elegant letters at the start of a page and all those things okay so they didn't just do the doodles no, yeah. they weren't just they, drawing they, the you know the, sna- the snails spit roasting a Frenchman no, no, yeah. <laughs> bring in weird bob yes <laughs> weird bob now just go to town on it um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, whatever the fuck you like. I'm at a Lombard in the pub the other day, a bit of a twat, just some snails. I am going to do someone shooting an arrow up a lady's bottom. <laughs> that takes my fancy today. Don't question my art, you pleb. <laughs> I had a 30 year apprenticeship for this. I am a master knob drawer. The fuck have you got? Go on, show me your dick tree. Go on. <laughs> Call that a dick tree. Barely a knob no book. Depth to it, is there? Mm. No. <laughs> no sense of perspective. No. Sort your knobs out. And there are a number of examples of the scribes copying a document and missing a section. The section is then added a page later. And the artist has then got creative and drawn, for example, a man lassoing the missing passage, pulling it back to the correct place. Or some little monks trying to push it back nice. into the... I like yeah, that. It's, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? 
Prior to the separation of these roles, monks would have done scribing and a drawing. Mm. The scribing was probably very boring, though, for these monks. So the illustrations would have been the monks' opportunity to have a bit of fun as opposed to someone doing it professionally. So you might be right, Sam. You might be, it might be right that this started with monks having a bit of fun and just using their imagination when they were bored and may have developed into something that was expected. That said, everything in the Middle Ages was boring. <laughs> Some marginalia are uh, mnemonic devices in a time when books were expensive oh. and would have been read and memorised. Pneumonic, as in pneumonia. As in memory. Right. I think I pronounced that right, haven't I? Pneumonic? Mnemonic. Pneumonic. Pneumonic would be uh, would be something to do with the study of air. Pneumonic. A bit like pneumatic. Pronunciation. It's a mnemonic. Pneumonic. Google's saying pneumonic. You're wrong. Pneumonic. Where was I in my notes? Yeah, it's an. Let's put it out to the audience. How do you how do you pronounce pneumonic? You pronounce it. Mnemonic. <laughs> some, um, anyway, yeah, so some of these little uh, doodles were for, uh, were memory aids. Uh, certain manuscripts have things called manicules, which are just little hands with pointy fingers drawing the reader's attention to somewhere in particular. Yes. Yeah. As with all these marginalia... These like a Monty Python-esque hand coming in. Very Monty Python-esque, yeah. Well, actually, well, Monty Python's art style, Terry Gilliam, was purely inspired by these marginalia, wasn't he? Highly, yeah, absolutely. Directly, directly if, inspired. Yeah, and if you look at um, the Holy Grail, yeah, mm. of course it is. So anyway, these silly doodles in the right place could have acted as memory aids. You know, ah yes, none harvesting dick. Jesus heals the sick. Rabbits playing an organ. <laughs> Remember the Temper of Solomon. Man showing nice. his tush. Moses in the burning bush. <laughs> I'm being silly. Um, here's a good example of marginalia as a memory aid. Glasgow University Library has a cracking manuscript called Mirror of Phlebotomy and Practice of Surgery by John of Ardern. He was an English surgeon from the 14th century. This document has some wonderful pictures, like one of a naked patient with what looks like bellows up his ass. Yes. It's also a cock and balls <laughs> in a bowl and a cross-eyed okay. Edward III. I don't think the two are connected. Okay. And and this has got literally nothing to do with the content of the book. No, it does. This is where we're going. One particularly oh, okay. interesting image of an owl is next to a passage about rectal cancer. Now, why is this interesting? Because a rectal cancer... <laughs> is the name of an owl. <laughs> not far off. Because a rectal cancer could come <laughs> okay. with a swelling known as a bubo, as in bubonic plague. And the Latin mm. word for owl is bubo. Clever wordplay. Oh, so if you have an owl arse, it's possible you have bum cancer. Yes, or more, maybe more, <laughs> I'm looking for the passage about bum cancers. Oh, they're called bubo. Oh, there, there's a little picture of an owl. That's the bit about bum cancer. Right, yeah. okay, See. I'm there. And on, on other occasions in this document, um, a, a penis just points to a particularly interesting, important point. Just, just a cock. <laughs> just, just, yeah. Yeah, just a knob. Um, we can get much more complex with our interpretation of these images. They can, much like strange monsters on medieval maps, represent an opposite of reality, an upside-down world, which helps people to understand their world. We know what we are knowing, what we are not. What the fuck? I wrote that. Yes, that... Them. <laughs> Did you, though? Okay, let me Did try again. Did you write it? I just left out commas. We know what we are by knowing what we are not. Okay, there we go. Right. Hence, God, this is getting highbrow for this podcast. I know, this Christ. fucking is, isn't it? Hence the obvious stupidity of a knight being vanquished by a snail or a bishop doing something unholy or a rabbit hunting a human or a head. <laughs> Hang on, there's nothing ridiculous about a bishop doing something unholy. <laughs> That's true. 
Um, Let's be very clear about that. <laughs> or a head emerging out of a floral design. That is, yeah, that, that's definitely very silly. Or just a bloody odd hybrid creature. The fact that these images occupy the margins of serious religious texts is also noteworthy if we follow on with this thread. This rudeness, oddness and the contradictions serve to focus attention on the central religious goodness of the text. Again, a parallel can be drawn with medieval maps. Is this stuff maps. you've written, or is this a quote from somewhere? No, I've, ri- I've written this. I'm coming, Sam. Oh. I do. I, I am reasonably clever. Again, a parallel can be drawn <laughs> with medieval maps, where the odd shit is always on the edge of the world. We can be very confident these medieval maps weren't meant to be geographically accurate in the same sense we expect of a map. They were just pictorial representations of medieval thought and knowledge. Um, alternatively, people could have just been laughing at Cox. You pay your money. You take your choice. I don't know which I'm choosing. <laughs> but so to summarise... I'm uh, choosing to edit out the philosophical wank that you just... <laughs> <that's it. laughs> so to summarise and offer an opinion, I'm inclined to believe that they were designed to be humorous and a bit of light relief from the more serious biblical writings. I suspect that some of the repeat imagery iconography could have made more sense to the people in the Middle Ages than to us. I'm less taken by the more complicated interpretations uh, that I summarised, but I think, you know, they, they could. They could be true. It would be a bo- bit boring if they were. Ah, shits and giggles, mate. Shits and giggles. Shits and giggles. It could just be appealing to... Um, to be honest, if humor. the monks didn't draw it, you would. A lot of people did. I think there yes. are a lot of good examples of... Gra- well, not graffiti, but the owners of the, do- of, the, of the manuscript doodling in it. Yeah. Drawing silly pictures. Precisely. So it might as well be God's own scribes. It wasn't. This was a time before televisions... If these things were, unless these things were in your imagination, you didn't see them. You didn't see them on the screen. You didn't see them in books or cartoons or magazines. So it might have been quite nice just to have some crazy, surreal shit. Just to see a, just to see a tree full of dicks. Yeah, people might have just wanted to see a tree full of dicks. Should we think of a topic for next week? I've got a long list. Well, next week is a patrons episode, so it needs to be a list of originals. Oh, is it, Michael's given us so many. Why don't we pluck one of those out? No, no, no. Why? No, no, no. Why? Why? All right, go Why? on, then. go on. Then. Pick, one, pick one of Mike's for Why? the patrons. Why not? Why not? Why? I've, I've given in. I've given in. You win. Wacky races. Wacky races. Oh, not, oh, not that's racists. such a good one, though. Races. No, not wacky racists. I think that's such a good one. I think that should be our next public episode. <laughs> it's a really good subject. It's a really good idea, that one. I think there's lots okay, of fun you we can get have sloppy with wacky races. Patrons. Uh, we'll give you a shit idea. All right, what have you got for <laughs> me, then, Sam? Come on. Have we done Scotland before? No, we could do Scotland. Scotland. Have we not done... Mm. We've done plenty of Scottish people, but I don't think we've had a Scotland week I've, or a Scottish week. I did week. Scottish Wars of Independence. Oh, that was Films Week. It was, in a fantastically tenuous link. <laughs> we, it, it was basically just, I hate Braveheart. That's right. <laughs> what problem with that? Here's the Scottish Wars of Independence. <laughs> yeah, let's do, let's do Scot- Scotland for the patrons. Okay, Scotland. We've done Wales before, so let's do Scotland. And, uh, and yeah, wacky races for the next public episode. Okay, sounds good. Marvellous. Well, thank you so much, public, for listening into this episode. Uh, if you have enjoyed it, then do follow us on Facebook, because we've got two. We've got a page and a group. The group's probably the better one to follow. That Was Genius, a funny history podcast group. Uh, you can also email us, thatwasgeniuscast at gmail.com, and... You can uh, become a member of the Order of the Bathroom and get, I think it's about 20 exclusive patron episodes now, as well as doodles for each episode, uh, songs for each patron tier, blah, 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 blah. That's at patreon.com slash that was genius. All right, for our patrons, we will see you next week for a, a, a delve into Scotland. And uh, the week after, 
Hello, I'm Billy Connolly. I've got a funny coloured beard. And then the week after that, we've got Wacky Racists slash Wacky Races. Say goodbye, Tom. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.